A good film with a monkey in it. Cartoon monkeys don't count. Like I would even. Yeah, uh, just just wanted to make that clear. Because everyone at home is naming some cartoon monkeys. Mm, another good movie with a cartoon monkey. Not a cartoon. Without a... Whoa. Welcome to The Sunday Presents with me, Dean Buckley. And me, Kira Maloney. The Sunday is a website. This is a podcast. Both are about films. We started The Sunday in 2017 to talk about film and TV to other people instead of just each other, basically. (laughs) Now we have a podcast where we once again talk to each other about films, specifically favorite films of ours that the other hasn't seen. Kira and I have been friends for a really long time and we've seen a lot of films together, but... Outside that, there's surprisingly little overlap. The number of times Dean has said to me, oh, I just watched blah, 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 and I'll have no idea what he's talking about, and I'll momentarily feel inadequate until I remember he's never seen Apocalypse Now or Singing in the Rain, (laughs) and be like, oh, no, it's not that I'm inadequate. It's that Dean's a weirdo. (laughs) But on the other hand, yesterday I was wondering if we could do TV shows on this so I could make Dean watch a Soviet adaptation of Sherlock Holmes from the 70s, so there's, there's a pair of us in it. Yeah, like, our tastes are not so wildly different, necessarily, but our journeys through film have been. Like, I'm pretty sure Gira watched Vertigo on actual TCM while going through the AFI 100. Uh, That sounds correct. I'm not 100% sure. Whereas the story of how I found today's film is actually a pretty perfect example of how my taste develops. Today we are talking about the Wachowski sisters' 2008 children's action blockbuster... Speed Racer. He's going to be very good. No, he's going to be the best. If they don't destroy him first. So there's a video game called Cannabalt, which is one of the original, like, defining infinite running games. It's in MoMA now. And its creator, Adam As Saltzman. in the Museum of Modern Art? Yes, Cannabalt. Cannibalt is in the is in the Museum of Modern Art. That's nice. And its creator Adam. But can Saltzman, video games be art? <laughs> the ghost of Roger Ebert is knocking at the door. <laughs> its creator Adam Saltzman wrote an essay in praise of a video game called Vanquish, and in that essay, he used Speed Racer as a positive point of comparison to Vanquish. And honestly, I wasn't that into Vanquish, but I thought Speed Racer sounded really, really, really intriguing. So naturally, I waited several years to watch it after I enjoyed (laughs) Jupiter Ascending, another Wachowski's film, which also got bad reviews. Can I just ask what, like, do you remember what specifically the essay said that made you interested in watching Speed Racer? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff about, um... The visuals, like, bending to the function of the narrative and stuff, like, the world turning into speed lines when people are going really fast and shit. I've always had an interest in, like, surrealism, like, irreality in in, in fiction and different stuff, and it just appealed to me on that level, mostly. There you go. So, I wanted to show you Speed Racer for a few reasons but the the most important most pressing one is because i think i went too easy on you with wings of desire <laughs> um <clears throat> wings of desire is an odd film relative to the mainstream but in, th- in the tradition of european cinema it's not like melting conceptions of what a film can be or can look like whereas i do feel like speed racer did that for blockbuster films at least it certainly did for me 
I especially feel like at a moment where I was really, really pessimistic about CGI and kind of the only positive vision of using CGI that I was seeing was kind of like photorealistic minimalism like David Fincher's. Like in Zodiac, how he uses CGI to make Los Angeles be the in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Zodiac, but you wouldn't be watching that film and going, yeah, all those period buildings are CGI. Or uh, in, in The Social Network, after they see Bill Gates and they're standing out in the cold, their breath is CGI. Yeah, exactly. Or much more famously, there are two army hammers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, and we'll get into this obviously in the episode, Speed Racer is not photorealistic or minimalist. <laughs> and I feel like watching Speed Racer when I did, when I was feeling this huge pessimism about CGI, it gave me a positive idea of what you could do with CGI that I think has really underpinned not only my love of other CGI-driven films that use that unreality, like Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, or uh, A Wrinkle in Time, but also like pre-CGI films that have an experimental approach to effects like House, the Nobuhiko Abayashi film, which we've both seen. The greatest film of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, I just want to show you, because this is my favorite film made in my lifetime by a very comfortable distance. Yeah. I, I, I want to let you know in advance, I will not hold you not liking <laughs> Speed Racer against you. It is not a film where... <laughs> I would expect everyone to like it and um, get mad about it. I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> On that note, Kira, why don't you tell us about <laughs> Speed Racer's plot? I mean, I have to caveat this by pointing out that for long stretches of the film, I did not know what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'll do my best. Okay. Okay, so Speed Racer, directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, who are best known for making The Matrix, the greatest film of all time. It's adapted from an anime from the 60s that the Wachowskis presumably watched on Saturday mornings when they were kids. And it's about a speed racer called Speed Racer, who... Okay. (laughs) At the start of the film, he's a kid. Well, he's an adult remembering what he was like as a kid. And as a kid, he was obsessed with racing and race cars. His older brother, Rex Racer, was a motor racer, and he died in a crash after a big fight with his dad, who was played by John Goodman with a mustache. And then Absolutely. the present, Speed Racer is racing, and he doesn't beat Rex's record, but he gets down close because he's one hell of a racer. And he starts getting calls from the big boys. So then you have Royalton, who's yes. played by Peter Mannion, MP. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's Roger Allen for anybody who hasn't seen the thick of it. You bought a bank out of social embarrassment? I'm bored of this. I'm going for a Twix. He shows up at Speed's house where he lives with his mother, played by Susan Sarandon, and uh, Pops, John Goodman, and his little brother and his monkey, who no one ever acknowledges is a monkey, and also their mechanic, apparently. Anyway, so Peter Mannion (laughs) arrives in his plane, and he's like, Hey, Speed, come race for my giant corporation. And Speed's like, hmm, I'll think it over. And then they go on a tour of the corporation's car factory and also a bunch of other rooms and buildings. And in the end, Speed's like, no, I want to stay independent. And he tells this story about him and his dad watching an old Grand Prix after Rex died. I said that Rex died, right? I don't think you've discussed anything to do with Rex. Okay, Rex <laughs> died in a crash. After leaving Racer previously. Motors, he He went to one of the big companies there's a scene really early in the film where rex is like leaving 
and and John Goodman is like sitting there like in my imagination he's drinking a whiskey but I don't think he is and he's just like well go then or whatever and it was and i found it extremely bizarre because i was like this is a scene from an end of a different film that i have not seen this is like what is happening um but anyway but then he yeah he leaves (laughs) he and then and then that actually does happen because basically that same scene happens with speed at the end of the film when that type of scene is supposed to happen yeah uh and anyway so yeah rex left racer motors to join some evil corporation or whatever and then died or did he in a crash that did not look like an accident in in speed racer it is widely known that there are like multiple criminal gangs who like secretly work with the the major racing companies also yeah also before rex died somebody sent a bomb to the house yeah so people take racing very seriously in this world (laughs) So Speed tells a story about him and his dad after Rex dies, watching an old Grand Prix, like, on tape, and they start hooting and hollering over it, and it's, like, this lovely moment of, of their, they're cheering for the guy to win, even though they know what happens, and, and, and it's, like, a story of, like, that's what racing means to the racer family, and then Royalton gives this epic villain speech about how <laughs> the big corporations always come together to rig the Grand Prix so they can manipulate share prices. Yeah. Like, they'll agree that a racer sponsored by one company will flame out immediately so that share price will go down and then someone can buy it cheap or whatever. Yeah. And it's a great speech! As Ben Burns sat guzzling cold, fresh milk in Victory Lane, a thousand cameras taking his picture, Cirrus Aeronautics saw almost a 12-point gain, which immediately blocked Peninsula Power Cell from being able to afford the price of a complete takeover. This put Joel Goldman, the CEO of Iodine Inc., in the exact position he wanted to be in. By first buying controlling interest in his own company at a devalued price, he then brokered a merger with Cirrus that immediately sent Iodine into the gains record book, the only record book that matters. Look out that window. There isn't a single plane or helicopter or K-Harrier that isn't powered by iodine fuel cells. That's what racing is about. It has nothing to do with cars or drivers. All that matters is power and the unassailable might of money. But I want to make it clear for everyone listening at home who hasn't watched it, that it's intercut with the little brother and his monkey eating a bunch of sweets and then like going around the factory and stuff. And then Royalton sues the Racer family for some bullshit. And then a guy shows up called Racer X, played by Jack from Lost. And he wears a mask that has a big X on it. And he's obviously Rex. Yeah. Like he changed his name from Rex Racer to Racer X. Yeah. And it's so obvious that it's genuinely weird that no one mentions it. Like not even in like a funny, you remind me so much of and then trail off and looks at or whatever. Way later, Speed tells his girlfriend, oh, maybe he's Rex, and she's like, you're crazy. Oh, also yeah. Speed Racer has a girlfriend, and she's played by Christina Ricci, and they met his kids when she defended him from anti-racing bullies. In all fairness, I think the main problem was that they called him the or-word. The or-word f- f- for making fun of people with mental disabilities, not not Racer. It, Just- <laughs> it, it did sound like you, like they called him Racer. Now, after this, I got a little hazy. 
Um, but they <laughs> they make a plan with this other racer who was getting beaten up by some bad guys who own piranhas. Yes. Where him and Speed and Racer X are going to win this rally, which is the same race where Rex died. Yes. Except he didn't die, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how, but this is going to help defeat corporate crime, which is Racer X's, like, whole deal. Okay. So... What I'm about to tell Kira is true, but it's not the answer to her question. The answer is that the third guy said if Speed and Racer X help him win, he'll hand over evidence of corporate collusion. This is my one reluctant admission that maybe the plot of Speed Racer is a little complicated. Whoever won that race got to be in the Grand Prix. None of them yeah, qualified. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then whoever, if, if they could win the Grand Prix out of the sequence decided by the the companies... That would fuck the companies up because all their financial plans for like the last year have been based on them winning. Later, we see Royalton makes a deal to get monopoly control over a certain parish. I'm going to yeah. jump ahead and spoil the obvious ending of this children's film. The hero wins the Grand Prix and uh, Royalton's whole year of business plans are out the window because he's just spent all this money yeah. on R&D for a car that no one's going to want to buy after that race. And he's like, you know... Come <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he throws this huge temper tantrum screaming in front of a big screen and smashing a giant ice swan. I love Roger Allen in this film. So the big race... The yeah, okay, Pops doesn't want Speed to do it because cause that's how Rex died. So Speed lies to him about going skiing with his girlfriend and he does it and they win and that means that they win a spot at the Grand Prix, like you said. But it turns out that the third guy was working with a bad guy to do a share price thing and they'd get double-crossed. And then, then Speed his... Sorry. says to Racer X, you're Rex, aren't you? And he takes off his mask. And he's not Rex, he's Jack from Lost. Then the third guy's sister, who double-crossed them, comes to the Racer house and gives him the golden ticket for the Grand Prix. And then there's like a Rocky Four montage with the Racers building a new car for Speed and Royalton being evil. And... Then Speed goes, and he wins the Grand Prix, and the rigging corporations are like, get fucked. And somebody's like, he's going to change everything. And somebody else says, he already has. And then it turns that out that Racer... Racer X and his girlfriend is like... Yeah, well, a bunch of people say stuff. There's like 100 commentators. And then it turns out that Racer X is Rex Racer, and he got plastic surgery to look like Jack from Lost. Yes. And then, so it's like a double twist. And then Speed gets his trophy and he kisses the girl in front of the cameras. And the little brother and the monkey are like, uh, cooties. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then Rosa gets sent to prison. Bada bing, bada boom. End of film. Cheaters never prosper. As it says literally in giant print on the paper about Royalton. <laughs> pretty weird headline in a newspaper. I believe uh, they're quoting a judge. Oh, yeah, they are. You're right. I apologize. And then there is <laughs> uh, a long credit sequence with lots of colors and sounds. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and the monkey's there. And that's Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah. like a much more normal film than it is Perfect. but that is what happened yeah yeah Th those are the uh events of the plot how it's told <laughs> is a bit 
the thing about Speed Racer, for anyone who hasn't seen it, like, if you've seen it, you, you know, and if you haven't seen it, it's very hard to describe, but it looks a certain way. <laughs> what Kira is trying to say is that Speed Racer looks insane. Obviously, you would disagree with this, but I would say that it it's alternately or sometimes simultaneously extremely ugly and extremely overwhelming. <laughs> I don't necessarily... I would like to dig down more into what you you find ugly. In terms of the overwhelming, I don't disagree with that. Speed Racer is a live-action adaptation of my sensory overload. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... Like, a lot of the film, but the racing scenes in particular, are shot in a way where I literally cannot process the information on screen. And it's yeah. just so overwhelming. It's it's so overwhelming, it's almost oppressive. Okay. And the, the racing scenes are so hyperkinetic... And it's not like cars going around a track. It's, it's it's almost like the biggest scale Hot Wheels you've ever seen. And yeah. I literally just couldn't follow them. I could barely look at them. They're just too much. And I had no sense whatsoever of who was winning or who was overtaking who or what the rules were or what. And even though the plot's the film's plot is fairly simple, I genuinely found it really hard to follow because it was just so visually overwhelming. Yeah, I, fe- I I can completely understand that. I'm even going to now provide you an explanation of how that happened. So the whole film is shot on green screen. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> and the visual effects were done by the same people who did the visual effects for every Wachowski's project. Um, certainly in this period, uh, the lead of the visual effects was John Gata, who is one of the greatest digital visual effects artists of all time. Yeah, he, he, he came up with, with bullet time for The Matrix, right? Yeah, less famously, but I would say more importantly, he developed virtual cinematography, as in how to shoot entirely in a digital environment without any actual cameras. Uh, John Gata and Dan Glass both did uh, Speed Racer, and here is how they did that. To the best of my ability to explain it, given that I don't know that much about, you know, computers and shit. (laughs) So... Basically, you may have noticed that uh, all things in the background are in focus all the time yeah. for almost the entire film. Uh, and that's a process that I will not even attempt to begin to understand called 2.5D layering, basically, where rather than just green screening a background on, there are actually multiple layers of things being basically collaged together. And you especially notice that in certain scenes like when Royalton and... I can't remember the name of the racer, but... He's played by the Japanese singer Rain. He's the backstabbing, double-crossing driver. Yeah. Who, uh, in a scene where Royalton and his dad are like discussing their plan to rig the world and such. The camera pans across the inside of Royalton's foundry, where they are both standing, facing the foundry, like parallel to each other, not looking at each other. But at the same time, as it pans across, it shows us their faces from both sides also on the screen. The whole way through the film, there are these like scene or shot transitions where it uses an extreme close-up as a wipe yeah so you have a close-up of a face and it'll wipe across the screen into the next shot and in that conversation that you're talking about it's literally like instead of doing shot reverse shot they're trading close-up wipes so like it'll someone will say something and it'll wipe like their close-up will wipe to the other one in a close-up and they'll wipe to the other one it's just like a lot (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is a lot. The races are fully animated apart from the drivers. They built the entire tracks in in a computer fully simulated and just 
did the races and filmed them, literally. Can you describe for me, like, how you feel watching Speed Racer? Because I... My experience watching it was so, like... I just just found it extremely unpleasant. Okay. (laughs) And so I'm trying to get in, like, the headspace of, like... Because you love it very, very much. and, And I want to know how it feels for you to watch Speed Racer because it's clearly... It's not like you feel the same way, but you think it's good. Yeah. Because um, I don't think that makes sense. So clearly you have a very different reaction to it. Just yeah. like at like a, a very immediate level of like how it feels to watch it. Well, I will say the first time I watched it, I tried to watch it. I did turn it off because I was like, what is going on? My brain <laughs> felt like under attack. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact that I turned it off, waited a while and came back to it is a lot of... <laughs> Why I was able to... I was mentally prepared to watch Speed Racer for the first time. How do I feel when I watch Speed Racer? Genuinely, I would say that I feel just, like, constant delight at each new, like, scene, each new frame. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, there's so much shit going on. And yet there's... For me, there's always a clear focus in the scene that stopped me getting overwhelmed. I... I find your comments and a lot of people's comments about having trouble following the plot really difficult to relate to it's not that the plot is hard to follow in that it's like it's like an extremely simple plot right so it's not that i didn't know what the plot was it was that i couldn't comprehend what was happening like in any like in any given moment not any given moment but like in certain parts of it Mm. i would even if i knew intellectually like basically what was happening yeah I still felt totally at sea and like I know what's happening but only in large part because I know what should be happening <laughs> yeah 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 I get you um okay so I'll, I'll clarify there because I was conflating uh your comprehension trouble with genuinely some people seem to have trouble with like the like the fact that it moved back and forward in time which like oh well it is very confusing okay in the, in the first like 20 minutes there's all these like time shifts and backwards and forwards it, it's during a race but we see like how to describe it like it's like with that scene with rex and his dad where he's leaving it's not that i don't know what's happening or that i don't know when this happened it's that i'm like why why this is not what like there's not enough there's not there's both too, way too much information and not enough information okay so uh just to clarify for the listener um that scene with with rex leaving in the opening sequence each of the flashbacks is like flashing back for one of the main characters yeah yeah so like the main characters are watching the race or they are speed racer <laughs> or or they are speed racer so like you have a, a speed racer flashback and then you have so that's how you find out how christina ricci and speed racer got together because you see her flashback is about that, Yeah. for example. And John Goodman's flashback is about Rick. And yeah. the flashbacks basically progress in chronological order, one to the next, but you are going back to the race, which is ongoing and already very visually dense, I would say. <laughs> oh, shit, I have to play the Rick McCallum thing, don't I? Every, image, every, every image is so dense, I have to play that clip now. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> 
It's so dense. Every single image has so many things going on. Fuck you, Rick Berman. I actually, I, I wanted to ask you, and you're going to be like offended by this or whatever, but okay. if you like this, why don't you like the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> oh, I am absolutely ready to answer that question. Okay. Uh, because the Star Wars prequels are fucking slow as shit. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a problem with quote unquote bad CGI and shit. I don't have a problem with films that take place entirely in Creed screen, even when that's transparent. I love, I love the deliberate cartoonishness. I like how the the inside of the Razor House is just a, like it's production design. They've they've built a set in their studio in Berlin or whatever. But then they open the door and it's like clip art world outside. Yeah. <laughs> and for reasons that I don't think we will ever truly uncover, I look at that and I'm filled with delight. And you look at that and you sigh deeply. <laughs> no, it's no, it's like the CGI in it, like almost the whole film is CGI, right? Yeah. And it was like to me, it was really, really, really bad. And it's not because it's not realistic, although obviously it's not. And it's not no. supposed to be. It's just something I just it's like I was watching it and I would just gasp and shudder and go, oh no, in scenes where like a door would open just because the CGI was so horrifying to me. I'm very sorry you've had this experience because to, like, okay, to, to me, it like, okay, one, it looks, it looks extremely cheap. Like I know, I know intellectually, this was a very expensive film um, and they invented a bunch of shit making it and stuff. But if like Veil of Ignorance you told me that this cost maybe like a hundred thousand dollars i would be like oh yeah the cast must have really eaten eaten that budget up <laughs> i it it looks like <laughs> this is a bizarre comparison but it looks like the trailer for a film i have not seen which is repo chick alex cox 2009 micro budget unofficial sequel to repo man i have not that's, seen this that's, trailer that film did not cost a lot of money let's okay. just say that uh, the other thing that it looked like that I kept thinking about like the whole time uh, that just jumped out straight away was Lazy Town. What's Lazy Town? It's a children's TV show. I'm going to send you something okay. from Lazy Town that we will link in the show notes. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to mute you for a sec while I watch this. Oh, hurry up. I'm a busy man. Okay. I completely get the Lazy Town thing. Um... <laughs> If I was to, I'm not claiming to have taken these drugs, but I've taken, I've known enough people who've taken these drugs that I feel like Lazy Town is the MDMA to uh, Speed Racer's shrooms. From my point of view, because I find Speed Racer a nice, uh, a nice fun watch that does not <laughs> psychologically overwhelm me. Whereas a few seconds of Lazy Town, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> There, there, there were micro, like, in-camera zooms, like a heartbeat thing going in the clip I watched, and I was like, I'm going to turn this off before I have anxiety. <laughs> so I guess in, in that sense, I kind of understand your view of Speed Racer a bit better now. Yeah, I did, I did, I did appreciate that this was, this was a risk. Because uh, for me... So I've written this article for this Sunday called Speed Racer is Not an Art Film, which is about my love of Speed Racer and the Wachowskis in general and, and the history of blockbusters. And I hope I didn't give this impression. I'd like to correct it now. I don't want all films to look like Speed Racer. 
I think Good. Speed Racer is the outer edge, you know? Speed Racer goes this extreme and then creates all the space for more experimental, less photorealistic CGI in its wake. But I don't want anybody else... I don't trust anybody but the Wachowskis and, like, maybe Zack Snyder to make gigantic, weird CGI-driven blockbusters like that. I just think people should be more creative with their use of CGI while not going <laughs> to those extremes for most people. I'd like to read you something from a mixed review okay. of Speed Racer. So this is from Anthony Lane's New Yorker review of Speed Racer, and it is okay. the final paragraph of that review. So he's talking about the the extremely blatant anti-capitalist themes of Speed Racer, because it's about how giant corporations are bad, and particularly it's a metaphor for filmmaking, because like the giant corporations stifle creativity. Yeah. Like Susan Sarandon says, "What you do out there is art." Just takes my breath away. That's what she says. I, I'm not. I'm not adding that as a commentary myself. <laughs> okay. Listen to this and then uh, comment. Okay. Oh please! There have always been filmmakers who lauded the home baked virtues of the family enterprise, but none, perhaps, have done so with such a gaping want of irony. Faux leftish paranoia about big business should be slightly harder to peddle when a chunk of your paycheck comes from Time Warner, whose revenues make it the largest media conglomerate on the planet. But the Wachowskis are unabashed. They want everything both ways, stuffing the cast with multinational actors. It, open bracket. Speed Racer is based on a Japanese comic book and TV show from the 1960s. Close bracket. Yet still supply. Bracket. Yeah. Yet still supplying anyway. the hero. This is <laughs> the last paragraph. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yet still supplying the hero with a pancake-flipping mother, a father who builds a winning car in his own garage, and a glass of cold milk on the victor's podium. Though the film is not as criminally poor as V for Vendetta, which the Wachowskis wrote in 2005, it struck me as more insidious. There's something about the ululating crowds who line the action in color-coordinated rows, the desperate skirting of ordinary feelings in favor of the trumped-up variety, the confidence in technology as a spectacle in itself, and above all, the sense of master manipulators posing as champions of the little people. What does that remind you of? You could call it entertainment and use it to wow your children for a couple of hours. To me, it felt like pop fascism, and I would keep them well away. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> okay, so this is a complicated one. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to call it fascism. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you for that session. Go on. In terms of the film's anti-capitalism, I'm, I'm in two minds. Okay. Because on one hand, I do very much believe that you can create a very genuine anti-capitalist art in a capitalist system, like, and funded by capitalists. Mm. There's this uh, famous essay, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's called In Defense of Disco. Yeah. And it's about how even though disco is, like, created and and promoted in under a hyper-capitalist system... Mm. It can still be used for liberatory purposes. So, for he was specifically talking about um, the role of disco in the in the gay community, and I hundred percent believe that it's you know and it's you know yeah. But at the same time, I do think people who love Speed Racer love to talk about it being anti-capitalist. Mm. Like I read an article in Polygon that was about how um, 
it like shows a anti-fossil fuel future or something. This was published like a couple of months ago, and I was like, okay. "What?" And it was just because you don't see any uh, gas stations. That <laughs> you see hardly any of the world outside racing. That's. But it's a kind of a theme that not so much the way you talk about Speed Racer, but the way I've seen other people defend Speed Racer, because it's it got very bad reviews on release, and now there's like it's kind of a cult film, I guess. Yeah. And when and people defend it, a lot of the time, I feel like they're like. I agree with its themes. Yes. Therefore, I, it is good. I completely <laughs> agree with that, actually. Not to diss another podcast, but I hate the Chapo Trap House episode about Avatar, the James Cameron <laughs> film. Because I've been, I, I haven't seen Avatar since it came out, and I've been excited for, Me neither. A, for a, a stirring defense of it. So I listened to the Chapo episode, and they're literally just like, this film models a view of the world that I agree with. And that's not even me being <laughs> reductive. That's just literally what the whole episode is. You know, like, this, this, this like reflects on American society in ways I find compelling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I look good. <laughs> like I, that's, that's not what art's for. No, so, it's really not. And I, I personally find the anti-capitalist stuff in Speed Racer, like extremely surface level and basic. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it, like it's 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 very typical of the kind of film it is to have like an evil businessman and an evil English businessman at that. Well, who, the Wachowskis can barely move without casting somebody from a Commonwealth Anglophone country as a villain. They have Hugo Weaving, they have Roger Alm, and then they have fucking Eddie Redmayne croaking his way through Jupiter Ascending, yeah. which is why he won an Oscar. Like they said that he won. For the theory of everything, but we knew it was really for his insane performance in Jupiter Ascending. Every line, but then reading. every, but every so often he'll just like scream. Yes. <laughs> so good. No, I create life. Come down. See so yeah, I think that I think that that's like overhyped, and especially in the context of like I think a lot of people try and position because it came out summer of two thousand and eight, mm. which is a very important summer in the history of cinema in terms of like turning points. Yeah. Um, cool. It's the summer that The Dark Knight and Iron Man came out. Yes. Iron Man was the first Marvel movie for for the MCU. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, just... <laughs> obviously, there had been many Marvel movies before. I meant first Marvel Cinematic Universe. Movie. I'm only making the clarification because it's made so little in discussions of films. So, anyway. Well, yeah, I'm not trying to dis... Like, I mean, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, Forever. Mm. That was just a slip of the tongue. Good. <laughs> and I love you, Sam Raimi. And anyways, so a lot of the time from why I've read people position it, as you know, like on one side you have Iron Man and the Dark Knight, which are like the corporate... IP driven yeah. movies and Speed Racer on the other. And the thing of it is, is that Speed Racer, despite being like extremely weird, mm -hmm. is like a nostalgia driven IP <laughs> movie that was designed to sell video games and lunchboxes and Happy Meals. Yes, yes, I completely like, agree. W yeah. Wikipedia says that Warner Brothers licensed 5,000 Speed Racer related products. Yeah, well, <laughs> so here's the thing about Speed Racer. It's just as corporate 
And when you said the Dark Knight and Iron Man on, on one side and Speed Racer on the other, I was like, no, no, these are three divergent paths, right? These are... Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. 100%, yeah. There is the... What will soon become the Marvel factoryization of filmmaking. Like, not... Yeah. Iron Man's not a case of that. John Favreau just made an Iron Man film. Then yeah. on... With the Dark Knight, you've got, like... I hate this word, but the kind of auteur blockbuster, like, meeting ground. Like, halfway between like director driven independent slash like award season film and and blockbusters you get the dark knight yeah yeah and then what speed racer is <laughs> and not to be facetious but like what if we made children's films for children again is kind of <laughs> more of the argument of like which way western man that is happening between these three films way more than anything to do with anti-capitalism or a fossil fuel free future or whatever shite like i don't like speed racer because i think its themes are super deep i think one of the nicest things about speed racer is it's just like we're taking a very basic story we're taking very basic themes and we're just gonna kind of hammer them over and over while showing you pretty colors. And that's Speed Racer <laughs> for me. That's what I like about it. Like, I don't need a great deal of complexity and nuance about its approach to anti-capitalism from a film made for children. The thing about it being like a children's film is I totally agree, but to me it's like a children's film, like the kind of children's film that is only for children. <laughs> like, like, there's certain types of cartoons that are like stuff by Illumination, yeah. Where I'm not calling them out or whatever. I just mean there's certain types of cartoon children's films that you see that they're released and you're like you don't even consider the possibility of ever watching it because it's just going to be an annoying film for children. Mm. And that's not a diss on like the first film we watched for this podcast was E.T. Yeah. Because it's one of my favorite films. I have nothing against children's films as a whole. And I do think that children's films should be... Actually, I don't know how I think children's films should be. Because actually, I think a weird thing is that I think a lot of children's films are really condescending. Yeah. Um, and are like trying trying to be for children in a way that's like unnecessary. Because children aren't dumb. I mean, yeah. they are dumb. But like they when they don't understand something, it's like no big deal. Yeah. That's nice. They don't understand things all the time. They're children. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a degree of like, and I don't know what, like, do children like it? Or what's the I don't know that? a child who's watched it, so I couldn't okay. tell you. I mean, obviously below a certain age, children just like everything. Yeah. And, and I will um, say, if you have a kid out there, if you're listening, you have a kid and that kid really enjoys colors just on a screen you could do a lot worse <laughs> than just playing in speed racer it doesn't matter if they can't see or comprehend anything it, but it, there's a lot of colors yeah i i don't know what children are like these days so on one hand maybe they'd love it and on the other hand i can really imagine a child being like i hate this yeah and like yeah. making a big show of how much they hate it and i don't know it's it feels to me like it's very much for children in a way that i feel like excluded from mm. uh whereas the children's films that i love um even including ones i did watch literally as a child are even if they're for children they're also for everyone okay here's an example the kid and the monkey yeah initially the first time we saw the little brother I was pleased because he's a much better actor than the guy who played Kid Speed Racer, who was terrible. Appalling. So I was like, okay, he's a pretty good kid actor. That's good. 
and he's got a monkey. Okay. But within a very short amount of time, I found the kid and the monkey extremely irritating. Mm -hmm. And every time they were on screen, I was like, can't wait until this is over. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe if you're a kid, you'd be like, this is great. But I was just in the way that... But the way that those types of films I was talking about that are yeah. that are just for kids are just annoying and loud and bright, that's how it felt. And I can understand how you'd feel that way, and I assume that would be the majority response to an adult watching Speed Racer. But um, you you love you love the the kid and the monkey. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. There are lots of, you know, I also, and this is one of my weirder traits. If I'm in a public place, like a restaurant or I'm at mass or something, and a kid starts wailing, crying, everyone else in that room is going, oh, who brought a fucking baby into the house of God? And I'm going, oh, there's a baby. Oh, that's fantastic. It lives. Like, I don't know. That's, it's just, that's really fucked up. I hear a baby that's crying and I'm normal. like delighted that there's a baby existing and being alive. I don't know. So there clearly is just <laughs> something, some large category of things that just irritate everyone else <laughs> and delight me and I guess it's more than possible <laughs> Speed Racer is just one of those <laughs> the baby crying of the Wachowski's filmography <laughs> you think you can drive a car and change the world it doesn't work like that maybe not but it's the only thing I know how to do and I gotta do something I think after all that I the, the only question left to ask is are you glad that you watched it despite not enjoying it? For reasons other than not having me mildly pestering you to watch Speed Racer anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's the big one. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's nice to have it out of the way. Sometimes it's good to watch a film that you really hate because it it cleanses the palate. Yeah. Not cleanses the palate, but it clarifies the palate. Yeah, I agree. It sharpens your palate. It's like when I watched Barb and uh, Star go to Vista Del Mar and everyone else thought it was good. I feel like I have a pretty clear idea now where we differ on things if you, th- if you think this is a good film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it is possible that I'll watch it in like a couple of years and I'll just get it. Because and you think were it's prepared great. at all. <laughs> because I'll be prepared. And if that does happen, I'll do like an apology episode or whatever. <laughs> But, okay. but as of now, I would I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm glad I watched it, even though I mean it's good for us to disagree, uh, yeah. podcast wise. That's that's a little glimpse behind the curtain. Yeah, for, the the unspoken like extra extra reason I picked this is because I was like worried that we were agreeing too much on the first few episodes. <laughs> so I was like, I'm re- I'm I mean, great if she if she likes this, but if she doesn't, even better. <laughs> <laughs> so i would i give it the old thumbs in the middle <laughs> i wouldn't give the film a thumbs in the middle i would give the am i glad i watched it question a thumbs in the middle i give the film a thumbs down yeah it stinks it stinks it stinks yes mr sherman everything stinks next episode he's a janitor he's a maths genius he's hunting for goodwill <laughs> and he is good will hunting <laughs> It's goodwill hunting, is what I'm saying. Yes. Also, imagine that I said that in the cadence of like, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, <laughs> I'm a child. Yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching this one. 
really looking forward to it. You have watched, I believe, two Gus Van Sant films, and they're the weirdest two possible. Correct. I've watched his <laughs> remake of Psycho from when he used his good directorship from Goodwill Hunting, in fact. They're like, you know, we, Gus, you've been roughing it all these years in the indies. You've been working since 1989. <laughs> How are you going to use your one chance to make whatever film? You're like, shot for shot remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> And I have seen his 2018 biopic of the disabled cartoonist, John Callahan, starring Joaquin Phoenix, which the only drop in the the zeitgeist that made was other people complaining about Joaquin Phoenix being an able-bodied actor playing a disabled character. Those are two Gus Van Sant films that I've seen. Cool. Yeah, this is... I'm really looking forward to watching Gus Van Sant's Goodwill Hunting, not least because... I'm going to spend the entire month of August watching everything he's ever directed that I can get my hands on. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm Dean Buckley. I'm Karen Maloney. The song was Boostag by Alexander Nakarada. And this was The Sunday Presents. And happy birthday to Neil Simon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. my band. We mostly do acapella versions of cartoon theme songs. Here he comes, here comes Speed Racer. He's a demon on wheels. Turn, 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 turn. He's a demon and he's gonna be a chasing after someone. It's good. Let's do it again. Bum, bum, bum.